TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. We all know that the bond a mother has with her child is the most sacred, deep, natural force, and it spans time and species. So when a child is permanently taken from their mother, from this world, it's unnatural. It's literally nature broken. It's soul crushing. Parents aren't supposed to bury their children. Children are supposed to bury their parents. I've personally spoken with too many mothers and fathers who've had their children stolen by shootings. I've heard those mothers wail, and I literally have felt the ripple of their heart shattering. It never lessens, no matter how many of these stories we tell. Rhonda told me her story just before the pandemic, and it's one that will stick with me forever. She was there when her son's life was stolen, and she didn't even know it. She invited me over to sit down and talk about her son, Shelton Hayes, and the mystery behind how his life was stolen. Suspicious deaths, murders, the missing. I'll talk to you later. I love you. I said, I love you. And that was the last thing I said to my son. Every victim has a story. I came downstairs. I saw Shelton's legs. I came down one more step and I saw the blood trailing. Even if every story doesn't have an ending. Oh God. I started to scream, Shelton, no. From Gone Cold, Philadelphia Unsolved Murders, this is What Happened to... Rhonda lives in Northwest Philadelphia, just about a block or so from the border of Montgomery County. We want a picture of him. I have that. 
She lives in the same house where her son Shelton was murdered. There's the king. He's in there. Yeah. Um, Shelton was taken in March. My dad was taken in June, and my uncle was taken in December. And it was in this house, right? Right there where the battle is, is where he lied. It's a quiet neighborhood with life whizzing by about a block away along City Avenue, which borders Penn Wynn. There's an Applebee's about a stone's throw away and a supermarket a block from the house. And we sit down to talk about the most painful day of her life. Thursday, March 15th, 2018. So Shelton came home, I'll say about four in the morning. I heard him open the front door and he did what he normally does. He would come in that door, come here, drop off his keys and his wallet, take off his hat, put it up there, come upstairs, go to the bathroom, check on me and come downstairs. And that's what he did. He checked on me. I was not asleep because I, I had to be to work at 730 in the morning. And so I was up that time of the morning, but I I heard him and I looked at him. He didn't see me. He looked at me. He closed my bedroom door. He came downstairs. About 10 minutes later is when I heard this loud noise. And I thought that because just how my television is now, I thought Shelton had hit the TV or hit, hit something had hit the glass table. Like maybe he tripped or yeah. something. And so I yelled down the stairs, what the hell are you doing and why are you making so much noise? And the response was, I'm good, mom. I hit the TV. Don't come down. I'm okay. So I didn't. I went back in my room. I was right at the top of the steps, getting ready to come downstairs. He didn't know that, but I was at the top of the stairs. Let's rewind a bit. The day before, Wednesday, March 14th, was two days after Shelton turned 39 years old. He had plans that night, but the dutiful son he was, he took care of his mother first. Earlier that day, I got sick at work. I have sickle cell. I have sickle cell anemia, and so I have crisis, and so I actually have the disease. When I get sick, he was always that one. And so, okay. and so Shelton came and picked me up from work uh, Wednesday afternoon. He picked me up from work. I was really feeling bad, and I kept saying, baby, my stomach is so upset. I don't know what's going on. I said, I just don't feel good. He was like, okay, mom. He said, well, how about some wonton? I said, oh, yeah, let's wonton soup is good. So he said, okay, well, we'll stop at the Chinese restaurant, which is around the corner on Haverford Avenue, because we were coming from, um, from Germantown. And he said, so we'll stop and we'll get you some soup. So we stopped, $23. And he said, Mom, when I come back home, you better have eaten all of it. I was like, okay. He made sure I was good. He made sure that I had taken my medicine. And he took a shower. Shelton left the house about 6 that evening. And before he left, he said, you good? You all right? He said, I'll be back. If you need me, just call. And I was like, all right, babe. I said, but I'm probably going to go to sleep. I said, I took my meds and I'll probably go to sleep. He said, all right, I'll talk to you later. I love you. I said, I love you. And that was the last thing I said to my son. And so 
I took the medicine. I went to sleep. And again, I didn't hear the door open until about 3.34 that morning. Rhonda replays that night and that morning and every detail over and over again in her mind. I heard the noise about 5.15, 5.30, because that's my time. I'm up, getting dressed, I have my morning prayer, getting dressed for work. I catch the 6.18 bus. And so at 6 o'clock, I come downstairs, make my cup of tea, and go out. And I usually stand in the foyer because it's dark that time of morning. And so I came downstairs. I saw Shelton's legs. I saw his legs, and I was like, that damn son of mine has gotten drunk and went to sleep on the floor. That's all I thought. I came down one more step, and I saw the blood trailing. And I was like, oh, God. I started to scream, Shelton, no. And I called for the guy downstairs. Cameron, come up here. Cameron, Cameron. Cameron is the young man that lives underneath. And because this house is old, you hear everything. So I'm on the phone with 911 and I'm telling the operator what's going on. I thought Shelton had hit his head and that he was just unconscious. I never touched him. I never went over. I saw the blood. I just said, I I just went into, oh my God, calling 911. I say to her, I said, my son has hit his head and he's bleeding. And so she said, have you checked him? I said, no, ma'am, I didn't touch him. She said, well, put a, a towel compression on his head. And so I was telling Cameron, as I'm talking to the 911 operator, I said, Cameron, go upstairs, get a towel, put it on his, and push on his head. Cameron, the young man downstairs, when he came upstairs, he said he already knew because he saw the hole in Shelton, the back of Shelton's head. I never did. I'm walking up and down the street praying, God, please don't take my seat. This is my only seat. You said that my seat was going to be blessed. How can my seat be blessed, Lord, if you take my child? I did not know until afterwards that Cameron, the young man downstairs, had called the police too and told them that they they heard a gunshot. The lady right next door said that she heard the gunshot. To me, it just sounded like glass hitting glass. They wouldn't let me come in. I was downstairs in the apartment downstairs, just waiting. I could hear all the ruckus, and I can hear the police said, I need somebody to help me carry him. They took him to Presbyterian. And the police were everywhere. The newscasters were everywhere. I didn't know any of this. The police officer lady that was downstairs with me and then all the other police that were back and forth. And so I asked the police woman, I said, where's my son? Where did you take him, my son? And they said they took him to Presbyterian. And I said, why would you take him to Presbyterian? And Lincoln all is right up the street. And she said he had a head trauma. So they took him to Presbyterian. I said, okay, okay. I said, well, I got to go. I got to go. I need to go see about my child. I need to know if my child is okay. And she was like, no, ma'am, you can't go anywhere. I was like, what do you mean? I can't go anywhere. I need to get to the hospital to see about my child. And she said, ma'am, you can't go anywhere until the detectives talk to you. And I said, the detectives, she said, the homicide detectives need to speak to you. I just looked at her and said, the hell do you mean the homicide detectives? Need to. Are you telling me my child is dead? She stopped talking.
I was not prepared to open that back door and see yellow tape. It just, it blew me. My son's car was parked on the side of our house. We have a carport on the side, and everything was taped off. And the police officer was very nice, and he took me downtown, and he just kept saying, Ma'am, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I'm sitting here going, what loss? What do you, I, it, it still had not registered. Did you all are taking me to the homicide d- department? <laughs> my child, my, my, my son, the life of every party, the life of everybody's life, it, he's dead? No, mm-mm. Rhonda is driven to the homicide unit in disbelief, and the detectives sit down with her and try to understand the kind of person Shelton Hayes was. So they asked me thousands of questions about my son. You know, what kind of person was he? I said, what kind of person is he? It it still had not hit that my child is dead. I said, Shelton is a father of two children. He's an uncle. He's a brother. He's everybody's, he's the love of everybody's life. This is not real. This is not real. Uh, they asked me about his cell phone. His cell phone was missing, but his iPad, and I told the police, um, his iPad was on the sofa, and I told them that. I said, his iPad is on the sofa. And they were like, okay, we got that. But where's his cell phone? I said, I have no idea. And that cell phone wouldn't have been too far from Shelton because he never went anywhere without that cell phone. Do you still have the iPad? The police have the iPad. The police have the iPad. Unfortunately, we couldn't get into the iPad because no one knows the code. Shelton had a a code on it and a thumbprint. And I guess no one thought that while he was at the morgue to go over and use his thumbprint. It's amazing that Apple can get into it or help or like something. Um, So that's another piece of questions. So there's an issue in law enforcement right now, and you could call it really a battle. It's between law enforcement and Apple. On their website, Apple writes, Apple receives various forms of legal process requesting information from or actions by Apple. Apple requires government and private entities to follow applicable laws and statutes. And when requesting customer information and data, require our service providers to follow the same standard we apply to government information requests. Does not have a valid legal basis, or if we consider it to be unclear, inappropriate, or overly broad, we challenge or reject the request. Apple has never created a backdoor or master key to any of our products, never allowed any government direct access to Apple servers, and we never will. Bottom line, Apple will not open Shelton's iPad for police. I called Apple and they say they won't comment and then pointed to the policy on the website. The iPad remains with police. Just take me back to what I say, what you heard, but you know, you hear what you think is glass breaking. Mm-hmm. Where, where was he coming from, Elsa, at four o'clock in the morning? I have no clue. You have no idea. 
Did any of his friends know? know or From what we found out that there was, he was with a young lady, that the young lady had or was giving him a dinner party for his birthday because Shelton had gone to Miami for his birthday. And so his family was waiting for him to come back so that they could celebrate his 39th birthday. And this young lady um, was giving him a dinner party. The young lady stated, and she did um, tell the police, she said that um, Shelton was on the phone with someone and that he was arguing with them and he was very loud. And she said he was really, really upset. She said, and um, she just could hear Shelton saying, you know, all right, I'm on my way. Let's let let's meet. Let okay, I'm on my way. And she said Shelton left, but then um texted her and told her that something came up and he's sorry that he had to leave so abruptly. Um she said but she just heard Shelton yelling who at whoever he was talking to. I guess by the time the police got there they had either shut the phone off. It was one time thought that the phone pinged around the Spring Garden waterfront area. And so they thought maybe the person was trying to throw the phone into the school kill. Shelton had moved home from a good marketing job in the entertainment industry in California. His grandmother had just died. My son was going through a very difficult time financially. And so he was trying to do what he could to make sure that his kids were okay. He had odd jobs. He worked for Comcast. He worked at um, Ubering. So he always was always trying to work, always an entrepreneur, always wanting to start businesses, always great ideas, always great ideas. And he always shared his great ideas with his family and his friends. And they would take the idea and run with it. And they, he, they would be like, Shelton can sell a blind man water in the desert. Shelton would go to the gym, hang out with friends, but his first love was his family and he adored his daughters. The one thing he was very sure about making sure that they knew without a shadow of a doubt was that he loved them. Um, If they had, uh, the baby girl is into volleyball and so he would go to her games and they would go to dinner and he always would say, he would tell them, you know, this is how a man treats you. So he taught them values. Shelton was also religious. He went to church and went to Bible study. I am the pastor, so he would always say, Mom, when I open my church, it's going to be like a club. And I was like, oh, God, why? And he said, um, I'm going to open up a club. I'm going to open up a um, a church. And what's going to happen is people are going to be driving down the street and they're going to see all these people standing outside on the red carpet waiting to get in. And he said, they're going to want to they're going to stop and they're going to come in. He's like, yeah. And so, Mom, we're going to have three floors. The floor where you pray, and the floor where there's the word, and then we're going to have the music floor. Um, Shelton was brought up in a Christian home. Shelton went to a Christian academy. He went to Sanctuary Christian Academy. He went to Cockwell Christian Academy. He left there, and he went to Bodine. He graduated from Bodine. He went to Virginia State. From Virginia State, he went to Morgan, where he graduated. Shelton was adamant about education when it came to school, and he was very hard on his girls about school. Rhonda says Shelton was fiercely protective of his family and of his friends. Um, Shelton was the person that everybody called. He was the one that if he thought you were in trouble, he would be there. If he thought that you were having a hard time, he was there. 
on his father's side, he's extremely close to that side of the family. And if one cousin was at one cousin's house, it would be a phone call and they were all there. The male cousins took a trip every year together and they always hung out together. And so this has been, this is a major hole for us. Shelton loved and he loved hard. So there are a lot of people that Shelton touched. Shelton's family and friends have racked their brains about who would want to hurt him, but they really can't think of anyone. Detectives did their work. They interviewed people close to him. They scoured for video and they pulled cell phone records. But Rhonda says that he was using the app WhatsApp, which just like Apple, they won't hand over conversations. Shelton was lying face down. He had to be coming from the direction. Yes, he's coming this way. This way. And he was laying and his face was turned this way. This way? This way. While I was at the house, Rhonda and I went through every scenario we could think of. His face face. was, oh, so he was like more like Mm -hmm. this. He was down front, laying down. and and his face was mm -hmm. this way. Mm -hmm. And where did you see the blood? The blood was all along there where his head was laying. His head was exactly where the plaque was. His head was where the plaque was. Okay, Mm -hmm. so the blood was running this way. Mm -hmm. Everything that we think could have happened. What she heard, how she heard, when she heard it, where she was when she heard it. Their routine what he was wearing. When you say that you have somebody downstairs, mm-hmm. they, and they they have no way of coming Mm-mm. upstairs. They have Mm-mm. to literally come like... They have to come out of their apartment. Out of their apartment. And, and walk, around. walk around. Yes, ma'am. But they can hear you. They can hear everything. Because, right. And then, so that person was downstairs and came, when you were screaming, that person... I said, Cameron, come up. I was like, Cameron, Cameron. And he was like, Mom, what's wrong? Cameron, come up. Yeah. And Cameron came running upstairs. I came around. Mm-hmm. When you say running upstairs. He came around. Running. He came out and, and, and came in. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Did he um, get changed or was he still in what he was wearing? Shelton had on a olive green sweatsuit with a tan jacket on. And we have a tradition that when you come in, your shoes are taken off. So Shelton's sneakers were at the front door. Okay. So he was in like a tracksuit kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, okay. And we went through the sounds the doors make. Like many homes, the entranceway has two doors, a storm door and then a door into the house. The only other thing I was wondering is what if it was like... Hear the door. I'm just trying to think of like each time you open that door, it squeaked. Yeah, it's opened and closed it. I'm also wondering if it was like whatever the the bang was. Like it said. See, part of me wonders if the bang. Would you? Do you feel like you would have known the difference between the bang and the door and that storm door closing? Yeah. Okay. Because it sounded like this. This is the same. So Shelton was laying here with his head this way because all the blood was coming out of here, but I thought the blood was coming from here. So when I saw the blood and there's still, I mean, 
be the only one, but there's still a lot. There's still blood here. As she tells me this, Rhonda tenderly touches the spot, the spot she walks by every day, where she knows her beloved son took his last breath. How are we going to stop the violence in the streets if everyone shuts up? The streets of Philadelphia are becoming like the wild, wild west. We can't go back. We have to go forward. Let's not be a community that continues to shut our ears and shut our mouths when we see or hear something. Tell someone. So if you saw something, you heard something, tell it, say something, not just for me, not even for Shelton. Do it because it's the right thing to do. Do it because it's the thing that you should do. If something were to happen to a member of your family or in your community, you would want somebody to tell, why do we have to get to that? Why does it have to affect us? in order for someone to tell. You're not snitching. You're helping to bring justice and closure to a family. I even say to the person that did this, I forgive you. You've hurt me. I can't take that back of what has transpired, but I forgive you and I pray for you and your family because your family is going to lose someone too. The difference is they'll be able to visit you. I have to look on top of my china closet to see mine. But regardless of the fact that we know that you've been here before, I have probably fed you. I have probably prayed with you. I've probably prayed over you. So I'm just asking you to do the right thing. And that's to tell. Turn yourself in. Please. If you know what happened to Shelton Hayes, please call Philadelphia Police. Their tip line is 215-686-TIPS. All the information is in the show notes. I'm Kristen Johansson. We'll have another episode out in a few weeks. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.